0: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from The Herald-Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about what's happening in downtown Columbus. Our guests in the studio are Columbus Redevelopment Commission Executive Director Ed Curtin and four-term City Council at Large member George Dutra. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at eight five five zero eight one one, or if you are from Columbus or anywhere else outside of the Bloomington calling area, you can phone in toll-free at 877-285-9348, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Well, Ed, George, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being here. Mary Catherine, good to see you. Hi, Bob. We, talk about, we like to talk about Columbus, it's a great community just an hour from, not even an hour from here. So Depends on
1: how much traffic there is on Forty Six. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty-three
0: minutes. Yeah. I mean, whether, uh, but who's counting? And whether it's October in yeah. Brown County and everywhere else. All right. So I know there there are a lot of things going on in Columbus, and we want to to uh, we're not going to limit it to anything, but we want to focus on downtown Columbus because you've had you, you're having a lot of changes there. Um, so. Ed, do you want to just talk uh, – give sort of an overview of what's happening in downtown?
2: I'd be happy to, although I, I'm going to ask George to maybe give a little bit of history because uh, uh, he's had a lot more involvement and I'm uh, a relative newcomer to this. I've only okay. been the executive director for about a year or so. But uh, George can probably give a much better uh, start in terms of the history of how we got where we are today. So That would be fine. Okay.
3: be glad to. the. Uh, The city of Columbus went through a comprehensive planning process about six years ago. And a comprehensive plan is when a city asks of itself and answers for itself what it wants to be when it grows up. And one of the things we heard loud and clear from the citizens is they wanted downtown to matter again. They wanted downtown to be relevant. They wanted downtown to be relevant to the people, not only the visited, but relevant to the citizens. And they told us, take a bet on downtown. And I believe uh, the leaders heard them loud and clear. We formed and funded a redevelopment commission. It's funded with TIF, funds, tax increment financing. And the city tasked the redevelopment commission with making downtown more vital. They took the task very seriously. And they, you know, they hired a consultant out of Indianapolis Development Concepts. And they studied for a couple of years what it might take to make downtown uh, more vital. They came up with four initiatives, and Ed's going to have to help me remember them. <laughs> yeah. One is, and they, they said the primary thing is, you know, we finally have to do a parking garage. We've talked about it mm-hmm. for 40 years. If we're going to densify downtown and not just have it be spread out, uh, we, we need a parking garage. And, and there is always a perceived parking problem, whether there's a real parking problem or not. And as, as are,
1: you, are you having deja yeah, vu right. right now, Bob? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm None of this sorry. is new
3: to, to any city. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, but if people perceive there's a parking problem, then there's a parking problem, and so that was the they said that that was the number one thing that they should tackle, and and uh, they've done so, and Ed, uh, would, I'm sure will tell us how they tackled that. Another initiative uh, was the entertainment district. Uh, the consultant said that we should pick a pick a block, and the most likely block is uh, for, pick a street. You know, Fourth and Washington is should be the centroid of the entertainment district, and that means you know, the obvious uh, restaurants, um, you know, other entertainment venues like the commons. And then the other two big initiatives, Ed, take over.
2: Uh, hospitality was one and uh, also one to look at education uh, opportunities with that as well. So what we've done, as George said, we started with the garage. Uh, we we, it's under construction right now we're looking at completion of that garage probably by middle of May uh, that would be open. We anticipate having some commercial along Fourth Street to reinforce the entertainment uh, district that we're uh looking to achieve and then we're uh, we've got we'll have about four hundred spaces uh we're so it's really making a big effort to improve the parking that we have downtown and in conjunction with that. Uh, From a hospitality standpoint, uh, Indigo Hotel is uh, about a week away from opening, uh, so we're very excited about that. That's about a 90-room hotel that Tim Dora is doing. He was uh, really the first one that stepped up uh, when we uh, presented the plan that he wanted to be a part of that, and he very quickly followed that with his desire to do Candlewood Suites, which will actually be right across the street from the new parking garage, and so we're that's another 90 room hotel, and uh, isn't it a little bit different type of hotel? It's an extended stay uh, product that they're going to be putting in. They're looking to start that construction probably March of this year, and then be complete in about a year or so. But we were looking at also redeveloping the entire kind of Commons Mall, that uh, block from Jackson Street to Washington Street and Third to Fourth, uh, the Commons which is a very important element for the downtown. It's a, a big venue for us for performances and a lot of activities. We have just literally thousands of people participating with that facility. And so we're, we've gone through a pretty extensive process. We had a lot of public meetings. We had probably over 3,000 people participate in helping us understand what they wanted and, and what we wanted to be uh, have that facility be once we redid it. And so we're real close to uh, – we we do have some plans, but we're uh, just in the process of hiring the architects. Uh, Coder Kim out of Boston and CSO out of Indianapolis will be a team that will help us with the plans for that project. So we're, we're very excited about that.
1: I, I want to get back to the, the commons mm-hmm. and, and go into a, a little bit more detail sure. about that because it is such a landmark mm-hmm. in Columbus. But, George, before we do that, it seems like – really columbus's redevelopment or, or even ongoing development started before six years ago. I think about the the bridge over sixty five and what a landmark that's become for people and then um, the rerouting uh, of forty six through town Could you speak about the goals for those projects um, from a, a council standpoint
3: well those were uh, those were projects that we got some federal funds for we had a uh, very savvy gentleman by the name of Fred Meyer that was public relations director for Arvin at the time and uh, he came down to City Hall one day and said we're going to have a tight congressional race there's this young man by the name of Mike Pence that's going to run against Phil Sharp and nothing bring home brings home the bacon like a tight congressional race and we're going to go to Washington and get some money <laughs> I said, you gotta
1: love a pragmatist i said wow yeah, that's very pragmatic
3: wow uh, i said oh, I, you know we don't even know what we'd use the money for he said perfect we'll ask for a few million a few million to study the problem and uh 50 million dollars later uh we were able to build two bridges and the goal was very simply to build the most beautiful entrance to a city in the united states and that, that was the task at hand uh, there were several transportation initiatives that were solved at the same time, but uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Jean Mueller, who designed the Sunshine Skyway, the Tampa Bay Bridge, designed both of those bridges. His firm did. And uh, of course, the interstate bridge is a very efficient single-point urban interchange. And the White River Bridge uh, was a way to align people coming into downtown so they could kind of hear the music of downtown from the interstate.
2: Right and and part of that was also helping, and because Columbus, like so many communities, have an interstate coming by it, but it happens to be a, a bit of a distance from mm-hmm. the downtown so it really helped us make the connection to that interstate and and really get people off the interstate into Columbus so
1: right and certainly that area has grown up mm-hmm. in the in the time since that bridge has been constructed it is a beautiful bridge mm-hmm. it's a, a really neat project could we go back and talk a little bit more about the Commons and what your goals are for that is it going to be a shopping center or strictly a community center what are you looking for there
2: well there it'll actually fill a number of purposes when uh, when we, when we had the meetings with the public about what they liked and what the issues are with the Commons. the things that came out loud and clear what they, they loved the playground, uh, having that indoors. they loved uh, having the performance space that you could participate in or you know stop in and see as you came through the facility. Uh, they loved having chaos there, uh, which is the big sculpture uh, right in the center mm-hmm. of the facility. And so those were kind of the key elements that they wanted to to make sure that we maintained. But we had some issues with the facility in terms of being able to really pull those off very well. And, you know, when we had events there, we'd have to close the playground down because of the noise and things like that. So we had to deal with noise separation. So where we are uh, today is the plan is on the first floor of the commons or street level, uh, the corner of uh, 4th and Washington would be primarily retail space along 4th Street and along Washington Street for a portion of that would be retail or commercial. So we're envisioning the restaurants and and things like that being there. Where chaos is, which is kind of aligned with the the mid-block of the facility, that would stay more or less in place. And then we would have a connector that runs all the way through over to the Sears block, which will stay open through the entire process. And then on the second level, and we anticipate having uh, at least two playgrounds, uh, approximately where the playground is right now, but we need to have two different playgrounds for age separation and kind of the age appropriateness. So we're going to – and the food court will be in in close proximity to that. But on the second level, we're looking at developing a new performance space uh, that will allow us to really do a much better job of being able to hold performances and events that – and we'll actually gain a fair amount of space by doing that that will uh, allow us to have a much better uh, way of being able to pull that so out. So a
1: really so, mixed use. Yes, it will yeah. be
2: a very mixed use.
3: The commons has become our town square mm-hmm. or our – even maybe you might go so far as say our Trafalgar square. It's where important announcements are made. It's where people you know, meet. Uh, so it had some functional problems. I mean it was essentially functionally obsolete but we heard loud and clear that people do not want to lose the town square and the namesake the commons i mm-hmm. mean it is where it's where people meld and and we w- want to really recapture that in a uh, redeveloped commons mm-hmm.
0: all right our phone numbers today uh, as always 8550811 in bloomington 8772859348 from the Columbus area or any area outside of Bloomington, and you can send your email to noon at edu. We're talking about Columbus, the uh, redevelopment of downtown Columbus with uh, Columbus Redevelopment Commission Executive Director Ed Curtin and City Council at Large member George Dutra. Uh, there are so many things I want to ask about. I, I know, me too. I, I, I'm kind of wishing this program was two or three hours yeah. today. I wish uh, you
1: weren't here so I could just ask all my questions.
0: Well, I'm, I'm going to butt in here and ask a couple. Um, I, I have one kind of specific question about funding for the parking garage. How, how was that parking garage paid for?
2: The funding for the parking garage that we were- uh, that's under construction right now is through TIF funds that um, when the Redevelopment Commission was established, they they looked at establishing a TIF area that allows us to be able to do projects that are critical to the success of that a- area, which you know really provide that infrastructure. The garage was the first element. Um, and so the, the TIF proceeds that we get, and that tends to be off the real property for um, anything after the redevelopment or that area was established so only just for the last few years anything will start coming off that is how we're going to pay for the garage so okay
0: all right and you know mary Catherine and i we're, we're sort of fighting over the questioning but we have to share with our listeners too who often have the best questions and we have a listener who wants okay. to ask something so <laughs> donald uh, please uh, go on
4: yes this is donald i'd like to ask a question all I've heard in the last week is Cummings is moving into the Commons and it's going to build a five-story building. I haven't heard that mentioned.
2: That's correct. We haven't had a chance to mention that yet. <laughs> uh, Thank wait, you. You're right. The, uh, right?
4: Where you're talking about where everything's being changed, isn't that the spot?
2: That is the spot. And their office building is actually going to be on the corner of Third and Jackson. It'll be right across the street from the courthouse square and it we anticipate it's going to be a 100,000 square foot office building and it'll be at least four stories high. Okay.
4: Well, am I right they are taking down that one end where everything is almost down to the floor to build what you mentioned up to now.
2: That that is correct. Uh, although the we anticipate that the kind of the superstructure or the the structure elements of the commons will stay in place uh, what we're hearing so far from the architects and the the demolition people is that it 's a little bit cheaper to save that structure than it is to take it down and rebuild it, so
4: which is a good idea yeah
2: so we 're saving that piece of it, but almost everything else will be coming down okay. from really from Jackson Street over to Washington Street. But
0: thank you for the input. all right, Donald, thanks a lot for the call eight five five zero eight one one in bloomington eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of Bloomington, and you can send your email to noon at indiana. edu. Um, Yeah, Donald had a a very good question to ask. So let's follow up on that about what Cummins plans are. Because as we talked before the program, that was a big announcement this week. George?
3: Well, uh, Cummins announced this week that they uh, will hire 500 new technical people, many of them engineers, and they will occupy a four-story, 100,000-square-foot building, the footprint of which will be on the northeast corner of Jackson and 3rd. And I want to get to the strategy of that from Cummins, but physically, uh, something Ed mentioned earlier, our existing Commons mall essentially covers two square blocks and closed Washington Street i mean closed Jackson Street in the '70s and that happened throughout many Midwestern cities through redeve- earlier redevelopment. Uh, it broke up the fabric of downtown and it hasn 't really proven all that uh, wise and so we are going to reopen Jackson Street, so as you come into Columbus and head north on Jackson. You will go between two large buildings that at one time were, was uh, the commons. Cummins will occupy a four-story uh, office space on the northeast corner of 3rd and Jackson. And the beauty of it for Columbus is that Cummins made the strategic decision to uh, house what I call their heart and soul in Columbus. And that is the technical people that make Cummins engines better than the competition the people that create the competitive advantage for Cummins Engine, those people would be housed in Columbus, and you know we find that exciting and important. I mean, it would—it's—it's it's the reason that you don't, you know, that IU doesn't outsource research. That needs to be at the headquarters uh, town. Uh, secondarily, you know, those people will earn very good wages it's the knowledge workers it's the type of thing that we have really wished for hoped for and uh, worked for in economic development over the last 10 years and you know it's a great success for columbus Mm -hmm.
1: let's let's talk about your economic development group a little bit there they've been known uh they have a reputation for being very proactive very aggressive in their recruitment they've traveled all over the world what's the status of that group right now
3: well that group is still very much active that group is uh, very well funded and it's the same players it's always been it's a private group it's the uh, it's the you know businesses within Columbus that have enjoyed the success of uh, being in Columbus and their goal is to well, the city's goal is to create a an environment wherein companies can succeed and their goal is to you know find those companies convince them that Columbus is the place that they need to be and as you said, they still make uh, trips every year to the Far East, to Europe. Uh, there are companies in the United States that are pretty easy to recruit now because of other uh, tax structures, mm-hmm. even surrounding states. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have been very successful in recruiting, uh, m- you know, mostly industrial recruitment. These are, these are manufacturing uh, companies.
1: You know, one of the concerns that we have here in Bloomington is sprawl. Anytime we consider any kind of a development, we we try to think about, wow, how is that going to impact our our sprawl? And we have a a very limited um, inventory of developable land. How does that affect Columbus?
3: Well, I think we define sprawl as inappropriate, large lot development that really prevents compact development. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier for a city to provide services if there are is compact near in development. And the communities that have allowed, you know that say well we're going to have nothing but five acre lots, well before long the entire county is used up with five acre lots and there's no way to service it with public services. You can't collect the trash, you know, can't do water. So we really have tried to uh, advocate and require compact development. You know, right at the adjacent, you know, that's adjacent to the city.
2: I think there, I guess I'd add a couple things to that. Uh, We have Woodside Development, which is our industrial park, which is a a bit south of town. And we, uh, just in the process of opening a a new section of that Woodside Northwest, and I think it really plays into what George was talking about, is we're really trying to keep all that development very in very close proximity uh, so that you can continue to provide those services and, and they can kind of play off of each other. And we're also doing, I think, doing that in the downtown area with all the development that we're looking at doing with the parking garages and you know the, the sports uh, complexes that we're looking at doing, the hotels. We're really trying to make all that happen within the space that we currently have. And I mean, it may be easier in some cases to to put things a little bit farther out, but it really is important to have uh, kind of that. Uh, Really strong core in the downtown, so we're really trying to enforce that, reinforce that.
1: So, what about you've talked a lot about the parking garage and the the kind of mixed use development. What about housing downtown? Are there any plans in the in the hopper right now to to increase people who actually live downtown?
2: There are actually a, a couple of projects uh, that we're looking at. One, uh, uh, there are two private developments that are uh, they're converting condo or creating condos in downtown. And, the second and third levels of some existing buildings, which we think is excellent. Uh, and then we also have a, a new development that's going to be starting in the very near future, uh, which will be a LEED-certified uh, housing – It's it will be actually mixed use with some commercial on the first floor and uh, housing on the second floor. So,
1: so what about uh, walkability issues? Are those something that you talk about as a council? Um,
3: uh, yes we have uh We have a very extensive people trail system that uh, Ed designed, managed, and built when he was with the parks department uh, and uh you know having people live downtown obviously adds to the evening activity and adds to the walkability, uh, but we are not so naive to think that people are going to give up their cars it just isn't going to happen, and so we have to accommodate that uh, and that 's why you build parking garages. Uh, I
0: want to know a little bit more about the about the trail system in Columbus. Ed, how, how much or how many miles of trail do you have? How much, I, how much trail do you have?
2: I believe that we have about 20 miles uh, on the ground right now. We're uh, looking at developing. I think another. We've got about six miles on the drawing board, um, and we have a master plan that with quite a few more miles than that. But. Really, we're looking at uh, ways that we can make good connections for the residences, the schools and the businesses. So that was always important, taking advantage of, uh, of the stream corridors and different corridors that we have in town. And you know the feedback that we've gotten, uh, quite frankly, are – People come to Columbus because of that trail system, and they live there because of that. So it's a really important element for people in in how they make some of their decisions about where they live.
1: You know, I know as we build out our trail system, we are looking at um, making sure that our parks and our schools are connected. Mm -hmm. Has that been a goal for your trail system, or do you have a different goal?
2: No, absolutely. It was connecting the schools, uh, residences, uh, commercial areas parks. I know that was the really the thrust from the very beginning of the design of the system, so it's very important. We and,
3: and leveraging the waterways.
2: Absolutely. Because we do have some nice streams. and oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
3: All
0: right. We have a couple of phone calls. We're going to go to Robert next. Robert?
5: Yeah, uh, just a quick question. Uh, all the new construction that you're uh, doing downtown, uh, are those people going to be paying property tax, or did they get an abatement?
2: Well, the uh, there are with the hotel Indigo, they got a six-year abatement for uh, their taxes. So, you know, six years they'll be paying the full amount of the taxes. Candlewood Suites, well, we uh, don't anticipate them asking for a tax abatement. And we we haven't heard anything yet on the office building or, or the uh, conference center yet.
0: Let me let me follow up. So add on with uh, Indigo. Mm-hmm. That means that the first year they'll pay what percentage of?
2: Uh, it starts out at zero, zero. and then as a graduated scale, all the way up to hundred percent. Okay, so
0: one like one sixth at right. one, point and one point. Correct. Okay. Yes. So they won't be paying property taxes very quickly. Yes, they it's will. It's just that we'll get. It'll take them six years to get to the point. Right. Where all right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot for the call. Did you have anything you wanted to add, George? Just to
3: say that tax abatement is an often debated uh, mm-hmm. tool. Mm-hmm. We have found it very useful, and we are now essentially living off the tax abatements that are rolling off for, things that were, for investments that were made you know, 10 years ago. So thank goodness we stayed the course on saying to people, we welcome your investment. We want Columbus to be the place where you make your investment. Mm-hmm.
0: It's an issue here, too. It's an issue in a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Andy is next. Andy? Hi. Uh, I'm a uh, former uh, Columbus resident, and
2: uh, I was wondering with the, with the neighborhoods that are around the, the downtown district, I'm thinking of uh, around Pearl Street, Lafayette. I'm, I'm thinking that was the uh, name of the, the street over there. Uh, uh, these were uh, uh, sort of residential neighborhoods, really nice uh, sort of older neighborhoods, and I was wondering what kind of plans there was. You know, since they were doing a lot with the downtown, are they going to widen out the uh, downtown? Are we going to lose those? I'm talking about the neighborhoods right around, uh, just off of the of the downtown sector, like um, near us. Uh, what used to be Central Central Middle School, mm-hmm. right around in there. And uh, I'll hang up and
0: uh, uh, see what y'all have to say. All right, thanks, Andy.
2: Uh, in terms of what we're doing for downtown development, we what we want to have happen is that we reinforce those residential neighborhoods. We want them to, to thrive and be successful and continue to be the great neighborhoods that they are. So from, from the Redevelopment Commission standpoint, we want to reinforce the housing that's already there and, and make that better. Uh, so we don't have any plans to encroach into any of the residential area from the, from the
0: redevelopment standpoint. All right. We've hit break time. So we're, we're talking about Columbus today in downtown Columbus with City Council Member George Dutra and Columbus Redevelopment Commission Executive Director Ed Curtin. If you want to join us after the break, 855-0811, or if you're in Columbus, 877-285-9348. You can get in line, and we'll take your questions after the break. You're listening to Noon Edition.
4: www.southdunstreet.info WFIU is a media sponsor for the Week of Chocolate. Options hosts its annual Art of Chocolate event. It's a showcase of chocolate creations by local and regional chefs. An opportunity to sample the chocolate, enjoy wine, specialty coffees, hors d'oeuvres, live music, and more. The Art of Chocolate takes place at the IU Art Museum, Sunday, January 27th, from 5 to 8. More at WFIU.org.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And our guest today, City Council at Large member George Dutro from Dutro right? From Columbus. I've been mispronouncing his name the first half of the program. And uh, Columbus Redevelopment Commission Executive Director Ed Curtin. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. First half of the program flew by, of course. We, We have, and Mary Catherine and I already have decided we have more questions than, than we have time for. I want to ask about architecture and how – and you know, we've, we've taught – we've had Columbus guests before and the issue of, of architecture always comes up because Columbus is known for its architecture. Mm-hmm. And I think each of you have mentioned at least once each, you know, the architects on projects. Um, how – in your, your downtown plan, um, how did you sort of blend in Columbus's uh, commitment to architecture?
2: Well, I'll start off and, and uh, George can certainly add to this. But with the the garage was certainly the first project, significant project that we were taking off with. We uh, kind of immediately went to the Cummins Foundation who has started the entire program to begin with. They helped fund uh, the design fees for uh, Coder Kim out of Boston to do the design for the parking garage. So it will continue to be part of that program. The second project that uh, really comes to mind is the Commons Project, which was designed by Caesar Pele, uh, which is a significant structure in Columbus, and uh, you know we're unfortunately going to have to take take that down to a degree, but uh, well, obviously we'll be putting it back in a little bit different state. We we actually contacted Caesar to see if he would be interested in helping us with that project, and at that time he wasn't able to. But he recommended Fred Coder out of Boston to to uh, help us with it because he actually – Fred worked with uh, Cesar Pelli and so he had good familiarity with him. So we really are continuing to, to uh, use the Cummins uh, Foundation architecture program with virtually every significant project that we're doing.
0: When, when you have a hotel like uh, Hotel Indigo coming mm-hmm. into town, do you talk to them about – do they have a, a, a specific um, – Do you give them architectural guidelines that they need to meet?
3: No, we don't. In fact, many people are surprised that Columbus does not have architectural guidelines. The architectural program that uh, the Covenants Foundation funds is essentially for public buildings. Mm -hmm. Most of the churches have funded uh, world-class architects on their own. Uh, There is a sense in Columbus that design matters. You know, you shape your buildings and thereafter they shape you. And uh, people are very welcome to... You know, welcoming to the idea that uh, that you you need to get some professional design help when you're gonna when you're gonna build a building. It doesn't mean that everyone we have is wonderful, and that and that some of the experiments we've done in architecture, you know, haven't been a flop. But uh, overall, it's been a wonderful, wonderful thing for Columbus.
0: All right, well, we're gonna go back to the phones before you get a chance, Mayor Catherine. So we're we'll going to Michael. Michael. Hello, Michael. Hello? Hi. Welcome to the show.
3: Oh thanks. Um,
0: listen, I I live and work in Columbus. I have a small remodeling business, and I think it's a great place to live in, make a living. And uh, one thing I do have a question about, I know we are improving our contained sewer system, but, you know, I still, every day when I come, you know, over the bridge into town, you know, I smell a really bad smell of sewer. And I'm wondering if we're going to be working on this too. This has really been a problem that a lot of my friends and other guys have businesses wonder about, also. All right, George, you want to take that?
3: I sure will. We have a two-step uh, process that we are that we're working on to solve that problem exactly. The first is we are eliminating what's called combined sewer overflows, which uh, happen throughout the Midwest, you know, six or ten times a year mm-hmm. uh, because we have combined sewers. And so that would separate the rainwater, stormwater sewer from the sanitary sewer. The second thing is we are under design for a new wastewater treatment plant. Our existing wastewater treatment plant is about 50 years old. Uh, Again, it's been patched together over the years. We're the last people in in the world using rotating biological contactors, I think, to treat our sewage. And it's about, uh, you know... 50 or $60 million project. It's going to go downstream on the White River. It's going to be, it's going to be well out of town. Uh, we have the ground to do it, and it's under design. And so that will move the wastewater treatment plant from essentially a downtown location to several miles south of downtown.
2: What's the timing on that tour?
3: It's under design. I think uh, construction will start hopefully in 2009, and, and it wouldn't shock me that, uh, you know, by 2010 we're, we're sending our sewage further south.
1: Wow, that's a lot of money.
3: It's a lot of money. It Where are you will, getting it? We are. Uh, it's all coming from the ratepayers. Uh, we have a, a separate utility board, and uh, there will be uh, two rate increases for sewage to uh, pay for that. We are uh, a lot of the rate increase, though, that we saw in the first rate increase was to do the combined sewer overflow project. Mm-hmm. The headworks for that project, by the way, is what will pump the new what will pump the sewage south to the the new wastewater treatment plant. Uh, but our, our water and sewer rates, fortunately, we're in the central aquifer in, in Indiana, so we have a, essentially unlimited water supply and we have very cheap water and we have had very cheap sewer rates, uh, some of the cheapest in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Those will increase. Uh, however, this, the, eliminating combined sewer overflows is a federally mandated mm-hmm. – uh you know, It's a mandate. And so all other cities in Indiana will be be doing the same thing. So all of our our wastewater rates over Indiana are all going to go up for Mm -hmm. the same reason. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh,
1: Along those same lines, I guess, if you're going to be cleaning up things around there, how about the property, the park property that runs along the river, kind of between the commons area and heading out towards 65?
2: Uh, Actually, I appreciate you asking that question. One of the one of the initiatives that we looked at with the strategic plan was they, what the what DCI told us was don't be something that you're not and take advantage of, you know, build on what you are. And, and we've done a very good job of uh, amateur building amateur sports in Columbus. And so we're looking at developing an outdoor sports complex immediately south of City Hall mm-hmm. where the current uh, wastewater treatment plant is and having – baseball, softball fields, soccer fields, et cetera, to, to reinforce the, the amateur sports that we have in town. But in order to do that, we have to raise a portion of that up. Yeah, so, I was
1: going to say, is that a floodplain? Uh, it, yeah. It's in the
2: floodplain, but uh, a large portion of that's in floodway fringe, so we can fill it in, and do some things there. But we need the dirt to be able to accomplish that. Well, the piece of property that's on State Road 46 mm-hmm. on the on the north side, mm-hmm. right as you're coming out of town... Uh, we're looking at that as a site to get the dirt from, and we're going to have a couple of big holes uh, when we do that, and we've had a lot of interest in developing those as uh, competitive ski lakes for water skiing, for slalom, trick, and jump uh, skiing, and also wakeboarding. So we've had a lot of interest in that. So we're actually looking at a couple of different types of sports facilities right as you're coming into town, and, and we think it'll really have a big Im-
0: impact on people's perception of Columbus. Wow. All right. Uh, I want to thank Michael for his call. I hope he got the answer that he wanted. It seemed like you guys were ready for an answer for that question. And now we have Joseph on the line. Joseph?
5: Hi. Hey. Uh, I wanted to get back to architecture for a second. Sure. Um, I'm kind of trying to compare Bloomington and um, Columbus. I know there's not too much architectural distinction in Bloomington. It's pretty much cookie cutter and bricks and limestone, or for variation, they use limestone and brick. And people aren't going to really drive down to say, hey, did you see that uh, old-fashioned downtown there in Bloomington? Uh, but getting back to Columbus, how much has that uh, contributed to the economy uh, in terms of having architectural distinction? Is that a function at all when you market, let's say, quote-unquote, market Columbus? That you, uh, is that a draw for the economy, or is that, how does that fit into your overall plan for, for um making Columbus, uh, you know, renovating, and all that
3: stuff? Well, uh, attracting tourists was not the plan, but it certainly has happened. And uh, someone from the visitor center needs to answer this question because I don't know the statistics, but uh, thousands of visitors come to Columbus every year to take the architectural tour.
2: Mm -hmm. And and I I don't know of too many uh, 40,000 population communities that have their own a tour of the community, so we think it's a pretty strong indication that we have a lot of people coming to town.
5: Yeah, and are they continuing that program? Or are they developing new architectural uh, buildings?
2: Yes, they
0: are.
5: Ah, great. great.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, Joseph, it seems to me, when I sit here, I think about Columbus and Bloomington. The discussion in Bloomington seems to always be about historic preservation yeah. in the downtown it, mm-hmm. and not necessarily about, you know, architecture. Right. It's about the historic preservation. So, yeah, yeah big difference. yep yeah I was
5: wondering all right thanks very much all right all thanks right. a
0: lot for the call eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of the Bloomington calling area and you can send your email to noon at indiana. edu
1: I think architecture is a form of public art but I know that you also have been aggressive in in placing public art in throughout Columbus can you talk a little bit about that how what process you go through with that who pays for it how that takes place.
2: Absolutely. Uh, The Columbus Area Arts Council uh, really took a big initiative uh, about a year and a half ago. We had uh, a number of sculptors provide pieces uh, basically on loan to the community. I think we ended up with, with 12 or 15 pieces that we had kind of in the immediate downtown area. And it, it drew a lot of comment, uh, both good and, you know, not so positive, but that's the, the nature of art, I think. And so it, it really was good in creating the, the conversation. And what, they, what the Arts Council was able to do is they were able to, to find a lot of donations to be able to help fund, fund that. And then we have contracts with the artists to, for one year or two year periods to to be able to keep the pieces there. And so the expectation is is that over time those pieces rotate out or people have the opportunity to buy them if they so choose. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we're able to bring new pieces into the community.
1: So you actually kind of lease art? Yes, we do. Wow, that's Mm an interesting concept. I got a couple of emails. I'm going to go ahead and jump to an email now. Uh, Can you talk about the role of bicycle parking and bicycle paths in the overall planning process and or downtown redevelopment?
2: Absolutely. The uh, Actually, the parking garage, we're looking at having spaces specifically for bicycles in the parking garage because we anticipate uh, the, the need for that. And so we wanted to provide from it for it for the very beginning. The trail system really is integral to the downtown area. We have it really all around downtown and and, uh, have connections right into the downtown with the trail system. So we feel that that's very important. We have a a committee that's working on identifying additional locations to put uh, bicycle parking in the downtown area and other areas in the community as well.
1: Okay. And here's another email that we received. Any plans for green space downtown to help soften the increased density and parking structures you're planning?
2: Uh, One of the things that we're doing with the commons project is looking at that being uh, a LEEDS qualified facility. Part of that is looking at a green roof as part of that. Um, And then certainly with any of the projects, looking at how we can create green space for all those. But with the outdoor sports complexes, uh, both the ski lakes and the the, uh, amateur sports facilities, that's going to create quite a bit of uh, green space in the immediate downtown area.
0: Excellent. All right. Now, in the beginning, you talked about the the four sort of pronged approach that you had to downtown. And we've talked about the parking garage and I think the entertainment district and hospitality through the hotels, restaurants, a lot of things you're going to do. But We can certainly talk more about that. But I want to go to the fourth piece, which is education. Mm -hmm. How do you plan to integrate education into the downtown?
2: There are actually a couple of different ways. Uh, currently, uh, Yes Cinema, which is a facility downtown that's in the commons right now, uh, they house uh, a couple of programs through the school corporation um, that are – it's a finance academy and, and a couple of others that are really very successful. And the idea is that we help train the the kids to be prepared as they get out of school to – to do things. And the second piece of that really uh, gets to the conference center, that that really will be uh, an educational element for training and activities in the downtown area as well. Okay. All right.
1: Interesting. Um, I can't let you guys get out of here today without asking you about the Crumb, uh, the theater in, in uh, Columbus that, I don't know, it's, it's been looking a little tired. Is there any, is there any hope for the Crumb?
2: <laughs> Nobody wants to touch this. apparently. You know, uh, actually, it's uh, it's not doing too bad. The uh, Ravine Quigley uh, has been helping with that facility, and it, and it really meets a need I think in the community for all the kids that go there to to play in the bands and have a venue for that. So I think it it uh, fills that venue very well. So it's a
1: performance venue, right yeah, now? Yeah, it
2: is. Uh, we have a. You know, I think about every almost every weekend there's some type of an event there that uh, you know, the younger folks are able to come in with their bands and and have a place to to perform, so that's really important. And so that's that's a good thing. But we haven't uh, you know, we've had a lot of other things on our plate and that has Mm -hmm. that one we haven't really tackled yet. So So.
1: no plans for redevelopment of that? Okay.
0: All right. We have about 10 minutes to go. The phone numbers again, eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. I wanted to uh, get back. You, you mentioned the idea of the, the green roof on um, – what the, you building the, the commons. The commons, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, you know, in Bloomington, we talk a lot about sustainability. That's a, a major issue. Environmental concerns are uh, discussed frequently uh, at our City Council meetings. Um, are there other sustainability initiatives in terms of, of what's going on in, in either downtown or any place else in Columbus?
3: Well, Columbus was one of the first cities in Indiana to remove uh, yard waste. From the uh, waste stream, we you know we were very early in not landfilling that. We started we started a program to compost that. Uh, that's been in existence for almost twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel the moral imperative is to not be wasteful. the The word sustainability we don't use very often because that means so many different things. Has, so has, too has too many syllables. <laughs> That's true, right. <laughs>
1: and connotation. We hate
3: multi-syllabic <laughs> words. <laughs> uh, but we really do feel the moral imperative, especially when, when city dollars, when public dollars, tax dollars are involved, is to not be wasteful and to allocate resources in a way that, that reduces the burden on the taxpayer. And, uh, you know, we try to have a very rational approach to what can be recycled, what, what can't be recycled. And uh, you know, like I said, our composting program has been very successful in removing yard waste.
2: Mm-hmm. And I believe that Mayor Armstrong has uh, an initiative for Columbus being a cool city, uh, so there's a lot of activity around that, and uh, you know, is very supportive of of uh, any thing that we can do to be. Uh, energy and, and uh, waste conscious. So, and that, I know that the, the Commons office building will be a LEED certified building as well. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, one of the things we're
3: looking at for the redeveloped Commons, which Ed, I want you to talk about what's going to be on the second floor of the mm-hmm. Commons. But uh, they are looking at uh, you know using groundwater, uh, using uh, geothermal. Geothermal. Thank you mm-hmm. uh, for heating and cooling, which is a very efficient way to cool. And you find with big buildings like that that cooling is a lot of times the greatest uh, cost. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, On the second floor, uh, what we're looking at, uh, along Washington Street, as I said, the fourth and Washington will be more the retail on the first floor, uh, playground on the on the southeast corner of second or third Washington. As we go up to the second floor, on the fourth and Washington corner will be the performance space. But then immediately south of that, will, we anticipate that being the green roof portion of the project that you can actually – we can get people out and see what we've done and, and uh, really – Create a showplace for that. So,
1: excellent. Okay. You know, a lot of the initiatives you're talking about really rely on a, a healthy tax stream. So, yeah. I'd like to know how your how your economy is doing, and and uh, how the what your forecast is for your economy.
3: Well, the forecast is fantastic for the Columbus economy, and the healthy tax stream comes from the fact that you have businesses that can be successful. Uh, you know, those are industry is really what pays the tax rate. I mean, people pay taxes on their houses, but industry makes the difference. Industry is what you can recruit. Industry is what, you know, uh, that's what throws tax dollars at the city. Mm -hmm. And so we have decided to be a city that welcomes new investment. Mm -hmm. And it gets back to what we're talking about, tax abatement. The tax abatement argument is long decided in Columbus, long since been decided. There is no argument over that anymore. We want to grow the industrial base of Columbus. We want to grow the knowledge workers. And that will allow us to increase the budget every year so we can give the policemen and firemen raises, so we can hire the best policemen and firemen in,
2: you know, in Indiana. And uh,
3: that's where we're headed.
2: Right. The the other thing I would like to say, though, with a lot of the projects that we're talking about, many of those are actually privately funded. Mm -hmm. Uh, The parking garage is one that is not the commons, although that's going to be an $18 million project. The, the city uh, uh, through the city council has uh, committed $6 million for that, but the rest of that would be raised privately through the foundations and individuals and corporations that would support that. So many of the things that we've talked about today are actually lo- – we're looking at those being privately funded. So I think that's – our
1: partnerships. Our
2: partnerships mm-hmm. and it's a big statement about what people believe in Columbus I think.
0: What kind of uh, incentives are there for people who want to invest in downtown? Do you, we've talked about tax abatement. Do you offer other incentives through government? For people who want to invest in that area, uh,
3: there are really no other financial incentives. Uh, the whole the whole goal of redeveloping downtown is to try to make it a place where people want to invest. <laughs> And, not, and that you don't have to buy their investment. They want to be there. And I think we're, we're getting there, Ed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: You know, I, I remember learning when I used to spend some time in Columbus working um, about your – and I'm going to get the name wrong, I'm sure – but the Multicultural Festival. Um, Ethnic Expo. Ethnic Expo. Thank mm-hmm. you. What other kinds – what other ways does Columbus celebrate itself? Got any other festivals you want
2: to talk about? <laughs> well, actually, there's a, the Scottish Games. They uh, they come and have been coming for a number of years. Uh, we've had arts festivals uh, for quite a while. We and there there really are quite a number of festivals that the visitor center uh, helps promote. The arts council helped. There are a lot of groups in the community that that uh, are really proud to to have their events there. If
1: somebody wanted to learn more about events, upcoming events and opportunities to visit Columbus Mm -hmm. and and maybe take an architectural tour or something, what what would you recommend they do?
2: Uh, I would recommend a couple of things. One, getting in touch with the Columbus Visitor Center, and then the second one is getting in touch with the Columbus Arts Council.
1: Okay.
0: I actually have taken that architectural tour. I took it a few years ago with a bunch of other newspaper editors and... I may have even mentioned on this show, one of the things that, uh, that amazed me was the monument that's on the courthouse lawn. It's, uh, I, I, is it a Vietnam memorial?
3: It's a Veterans Memorial. The yes. Veterans
0: Memorial, yes. which was ama- – it's amazing because you can walk through it. It's mm-hmm. very – I mean it gives you a really interactive feel because you can read uh, information and, and I think quotes from letters home and things of that nature, right?
3: You can't walk through there without crying. It's a very somber and spiritual place. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful monument. They
0: let us off the bus to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was great.
1: Uh, yeah, we've had another email come in and this is another reason why we love our listeners. Uh, for newcomers to this area. And for new listeners, I just thought to point out that the National Geographic magazine featured the architecture of Columbus, Indiana, in one of their issues in 1978. The national attention is still felt today. It's highly desirable to keep all the buildings in top condition. Many of our personal guests have enjoyed the architectural tour. All
0: right. Thank you. Now, I want to ask another question about – your industrial base because we all talk about Cummins we all know about Cummins and, and I know, you know as Mary Catherine mentioned before and then George I think you followed up you've been aggressive in uh, attracting industry from um, around the around world around the world yeah that's a good mm-hmm. way to put it mm-hmm. um, can you drop down below Cummins and tell me about and some of our listeners who of course you know we your listeners in Bartholomew County may know about this but our listeners in Monroe may not some of the other industries that you have that are being successful
3: well, uh, sure. Our second biggest, uh, probably our second biggest employer, is Columbus Regional Hospital, which is making itself very much a regional hospital and uh, is a center of excellence in many areas. is a magnet hospital for nursing, and you know draws quite a bit from South Central Indiana for patient load. Uh, we had another Fortune 500 company called Arvin; mm-hmm. uh, they merged with Meritor, and the headquarters moved, but many of the manufacturing facilities are still there. We have Toyota Industrial Equipment which makes forklifts, also makes a tug, an airplane tug. That's a new product for them, a little you know, vehicle that tows airplanes. We have NK wheels, which makes wheels for General Motors, Toyota, who knows all. They make mm-hmm. aluminum wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have right-way fasteners, which makes auto parts. We have NTN drive shaft, drive shaft which makes uh, continuous velocity joints for uh, vehicles. Obviously, very automotive-oriented mm-hmm. Not that we've sought that out, but, but in a sense they seek us out because we have all the support there. We have machine shops. We have people that understand how to operate machines. And uh, it's a logical place to come. And, and we're on I-65, so mm-hmm. we're, we're within eight hours, you know, trucking distance of uh, half the people in the United States.
0: And how many of those industries were not there 20 years ago?
3: Well, most of them were there 20 years ago. Okay. Most of them have had several expansions in the last 20 years. Probably every one I named, with the exception of the hospital, has had two or three or four major expansions with major tax abatements. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing that we really encourage is is keeping our existing businesses happy and growing. That's the absolute best economic development that that any city can hope for.
2: I think one of the things that we see happen too is uh, places like Impact Forge that end up having multiple businesses – grow out of the kind of that parent company. So we see that happening quite a bit. Okay.
1: I have a tough question that you may or may not know off the top of your head, but what's your average per capita income in Columbus?
3: I think it's in the 38,000, 39,000 range. I think it's the second highest in Indiana.
1: I was going to say that's that's very okay. high. It's, it's, it's going, going to go, go up with Dimitons those new Cummins jobs. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. It, that's good. <laughs> we <so>. it will. <laughs> we only have about a minute to go, and I wanted to just mention, um, you know, Bloomington's economy, it's the, the, sort of the new Bloomington economy is based a lot on life sciences. Life sciences, is that a major focus for Columbus as well?
2: Go ahead. It hasn't been to date, but uh, you know, I think we're certainly open to any opportunity.
3: <laughs> Every city in Indiana said that that's what they were going to pursue. Mm-hmm. Only cities with a research uh, university. university have a true chance, mm-hmm. I think, of making that happen. And, and good for Bloomington for doing so. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. And I will mention, you know, you, you talked about education before and, of course, the research university. Last time John, John Harmon was on the program, he talked about Columbus's um, advances in education, with Ivy Tech, the Ivy Tech campus and the IU, the IU Purdue Columbus, IU uh, PUC, UC, yeah, yeah. campus. So he did mention,
2: and the, the uh, new learning center. I mean, that's a wonderful facility there as well. Okay, okay.
0: we are uh, out of time. Unless you have one last fifteen-second thing you want to mention to us, thank you very much for having us here. We really appreciate it. You it's been it. our pleasure. We, it's always interesting for Mary Catherine. And I, of course, we're based in Bloomington, the program and the radio station, and all are based here. We do acknowledge every week how many listeners we have from so far uh, a field, and Columbus is just one of those uh, unique communities that I think uh, we're always happy to have people from Columbus on. Yeah, here.
1: thank you for coming and educating so us. Yeah. Thank today. you very much, pleasure,
0: uh, George Dutro and Ed Curtin from Columbus for Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Catherine Hegeman from Columbus, and engineer Mike <laughs> Bashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.